It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. But the star of the show, as always, is our good buddy, Greg Doyle. Greg, thanks so much, man. It's great to have you on the um, – I, I was going to say it's great to have you on the show. You're on the show every week, but it's always, <laughs> great. It's, it's always great to see you in your element because uh, for those that don't know, a lot of times when I dial Greg up, he's furiously typing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, let me see here. He did a column on Oladipo. He just did one on the NCAA, all the stuff that we're going to talk about, by the way. He just did one on the Colts. I'm thinking to myself, God, it, it's Tuesday. Like, how many – how many columns can one man handle in the span of like 48, 72, 96 hours? But here you are firing away. I've already written my Thanksgiving column, but uh, that'll be a surprise. By the way, I'm being attacked right now by a Corona bro. And, and I thought I was one, but not compared to this. Um, so I, I tweeted out the tournaments coming to Indy. It looks sure. like there's 68 teams, 67 games, one region. Indy was made for this. This woman uh, writes back, really, Greg Doyle star? She retweets it with a comment, so she wants all of her followers to see how tough she is. Really, Greg Doyle star? Downtown hotels will be f- – okay, hold on. Nothing about how dangerous this will be for frontline service industry workers barely making minimum wage? Come on. I wrote back, the players are going to be in a bub- bubble. Food will be delivered to them. I don't see a party breaking out. So she responds – this is the last one by, – by retweeting that uh, – Ah, I'm not seeing it. Anyway, she responds worse by saying <laughs> by saying something about how the the more they the, meanwhile all these people in town make these people's lives much harder. To which I want to say, but oh here it is. I would take a serious look at who you mean by they when I said they'll be in a bubble. An entire city is not in a bubble. The people who clean those rooms, the people who run around town delivering food, they go home to families each night. There's no bubble for them. Well, that's true. But if there's nobody ordering food, if there's nobody staying in rooms, those people don't have jobs. So, and I'm not saying, you know, let them eat cake. I'm just saying those are their jobs. And if, if they can't do them, don't want to do them, I get it. Believe me, I get it. But but no business in Indy means no employment for people. I'm not I'm not sure what this Corona bro wants me to say to her. Am I wrong yeah, here? Am I missing something? No, because uh, like you said, the contact, and, and I know a guy that was part of the Pacers stat crew down in Orlando. And he said that, look, that we had no contact with anybody other than ourselves. Like, we, there was food that was dropped by our door. Uh, the cleaning stuff was all scheduled, so we never interacted with any of them. I mean, it's as safe as you can possibly be. And you're right, Greg. I mean, I read something that the, the hospitality industry had to uh, – a lot of those grants and whatever had to go just to pay those workers to stay on staff so they didn't have to fire everybody because the hotel rooms have been so empty. I mean, I've heard some cases where I think some of the hotels downtown are actually taking in overflow from the homeless shelters because they've got all these open rooms and, and they and they also want to have work for their employees. So it, it just goes to the old saying, no matter what you do or what you say, somebody's going to be upset. So I think that's kind of where we're coming from here. But um, I wonder if that that's a person that isn't familiar with any of your other work or any of what else you said, but just happened to see the NCAA article and thought to herself, oh, here's a sports guy that's just all about, hey, let's have sports no matter what, which is obviously far from what your stance has been when it's come to the COVID stuff. Well, yeah, her bio says, uh, you know, she's everywhere USA, so I don't know. But I, I find it hard to believe that you could be anywhere in this country and not know exactly who I am and exactly what I stand for and exactly what I've written for the last six months. I mean, how, I, I, Derek, I normally I'm pretty humble, but I don't think that person exists. I mean, I think, I think I'm a bigger deal than you realize. I think that 
I think I'm a household name in every household, and this country has what 300 million of them. I'm I'm there. No, I, I sorry, I didn't want that to come off as being an insult. I, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt because but you're not reaction... giving me the benefit of the doubt for being the most famous person in, in Indiana. I am Indiana. When I speak Indiana, size a breath of, of relief because they don't have to speak for themselves. I can do it for them. Don't you get that? No, I do think that you are the most important voice in this town. You know that I've told you that in private conversations. What, what I'm We're... saying is I'm trying to give I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt because I can't imagine that she she would react that way if she, she people you know just get laser focused on one thing and they react one way and they think that you're saying something even if they've seen other things that they say that you've said they still just laser focus on one thing and i i think that, that that's the problem that we have with twitter and all these other mediums and it's actually why i'm glad that twitter added the retweet button that says hey did you read the article because people just see something and boom immediately react and then they're not actually thinking about any of the context or anything of the history or anything like that. I just want to say, because apparently I didn't say it nearly dryly enough and with no humor at all. I was joking about being important and I was, and <laughs> I was, I was but I was joking that she knows who I am and that, that when I speak for Indiana is happy because I speak for all of us. I, those were all jokes. And, and you kept, you kept like apologizing for not giving me enough credit. <laughs> and I, and I, now it sounds like I meant everything. I didn't mean none of it. I meant zero. You have the awards. That I'm mad at. I mean, I am mad at her. Like, I mean, to be a to be a Corona bro. Anybody out there listening, try to push up in my shoes. To be a Corona bro, as I've been called a Corona bro for the last nine months, and now to be attacked by. I mean, just one person, but still, it's very irritating to be attacked as being apparently on the side of the deniers. Like, it's like when Purdue fans tell me I hate Purdue, and IU fans tell me I hate IU. IU. And I root for the other team, root the other. I mean, you can't all be right, right? I mean, I'm, you can't. Everybody can't be right. You could all be wrong. Think about that for a moment. Yeah. I just like with anything else, because I'm kind of like you. Sometimes when when people give me a hard time on things, I try to explain where I'm coming from, and then if they're still like giving me a hard time about it, I, you know, people that say that the criticism never gets to them is always lying. You you never want people to be like mad and critical and all of that. I mean, I don't know. I guess some people invite that. I've never been that kind of person. So I get what you mean, but you just can't, you're never going to be able to please everybody with this stance. Um, you know, the important thing is, is that if the NCAA is hell bent on having an NCAA tournament, which I'm assuming they are after not having one in 2020, Indianapolis and this bubble situation is the safest and most logical way for them to pull it off and make it work, period. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here, and you're not just saying that because you're here. It's the truth. I mean, you've been investigating this, Jake, uh, Greg, for months. When you talked to Ryan Vaughn, I remember that piece from months ago. That They have put the pieces in place to make this a reality. You never have to worry about people in Indianapolis planning for things. No, we we have people behind the scenes, and every now and then they get dragged out front, and it's great. Like Indiana Sports Corp., we appreciate them. But you have people behind the scenes that all they do is try to bring great stuff to Indy. And so the rest of us sit around, including me, and we go, wow, we're a great town for having – we got the Big Ten Championship. We got – like, it doesn't just rain out of, out of the sky and fall in our lap. We've got people fighting for us, competing with, you know, the Louisvilles and the Chicagos and whoever else in the world. And places keep coming here in part because they're competing for us, but also in part because we do it right here. And, you know, we are – the reason why the tournament's going to be here and the reason why it makes sense – is that you've got to have a really big city with a lot of basketball venues to pull this off. So you better be big. And yet you better kind of be small too. You better like have a small town mentality. You like New York City, 
there's no this thing couldn't be there I, for a lot of reasons. But I mean, Chicago, you name it, it can't be in some big major league town where where, where the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA is king. It's got to be somewhere where college is king. And I realize we've got the Colts and the Pacers, and and and, and they share the marquee. But this is a college state. It still is. And uh, it will be in my lifetime. I'm not sure about always, but until as long as I'm breathing, this will be a college state. I'm sure of that. So what do you think the layout is going to be? I mean, obviously, Banker's Life and, and Lucas Oil Stadium, that goes without saying. But there are a lot of people trying to guess, OK, do they throw two courts, four courts at the convention center? Do they include the state fairgrounds coliseum? And do they even include, let's say, the Assembly Hall or Mackey Arena for auxiliary sites, because it's really not that far of a drive for maybe some of the early round games. But how do you think logistically this is going to play out as far as the venues, uh, I should say plural, venues are concerned? Well, they need, in theory, you need eight sites um, because there's eight pods, you know, eight teams and eight pods. So you need eight sites. Now, in, in reality, you probably could get away with four because if, you know, the, the first and second rounds, you, you play Thursday, Saturday or Friday, Sunday. So we could do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, just swapping them around sure. and just have four. So having said that, um, Banker's Life will be one for sure. Hinkle Fieldhouse will be one. I mean, I'm just guessing, but it's got to be Banker, Banker's Life, Hinkle Fieldhouse, um, probably the Farmer's Coliseum, because that thing seats 8,000 people, and and perhaps perhaps Uindy. Um, they, they seat 2,500, 3,000. Fans are not going to be – I don't know if fans will be invited at all. Um, but if fans are invited – if they can seat 25%, if they can, then maybe you just have Fink, you have Hinkle, you have Banker's Life, and then you go to IU and Purdue because 25% of a 12,000-seat facility is a lot better yeah. than 25% at UND where you can only get like 800 people in there. So well, we will see. But uh, what I don't think will happen, I don't think you'll see games at Lucas Oil until the Final Four. At least That's I hope what I mean. not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope not because um, – whether it's got a quarter quarter full or, or nobody, shooting in that arena is going to be very strange. It always is. You know, shooters will tell you that the bigger the arena, the harder the, the sight lines are. It's just different, even if it's full of people. Well, you, you, you take people out of there, it's going to be really hard and tricky. And I think whichever team, if you put a region there, that means whoever wins that region got to play two games at Lucas Oil in those conditions. That team will go into the Final Four with an emotional and mental advantage and possibly even a physical advantage from having been there. I don't think that'd be right. I know some people are mentioning uh, like Southport Fieldhouse and places like that, but if if I'm not mistaken, the court wouldn't be the regulation size that they need it to be, even with no fans and and maybe no media to, uh, to make that happen. So I'm excited about this, though, Greg, because look, the coronavirus, you and I have both taken it very seriously, and your stance doesn't need to be repeated on this podcast. If you're listening to this, you already know where Greg stands, and I think you know where I stand on it. Um, but again, it, this is going to happen, right? The NCAA is going to put on a tournament, so it makes sense for it to be here. And when you have these teams and hotel stays and, and all of that, hospitality tax, it's good for downtown, which, you know, I just was there 20 minutes ago. Uh, we grabbed lunch and it's still boarded up and still a shell of its former self. So we we need these sort of things to kind of breathe life back into our city. Yeah, we, we do. Um, and it's a shame that 49 other states and, and all the other cities in Indiana can't get the same thing. It, it almost feels like dancing on, on the graves, economic graves of other places they're going to miss out. Um, and that we're never going to be included in the first place. So I, I don't want to be all giddy and gleeful because we're getting ours. No one else is going to get theirs. But but we are going to get ours. And it's got to go somewhere. And it is going to be – nobody has lost more sports than us. Everybody's lost – I'm talking about economically, and I'm not comparing sports to, to lives. So anybody getting upset, 
you know, you're like that Corona bro get, come after me on Twitter. Like, like check yourself, you know, please let's have some reality here. Uh, nothing's more important than life, but nobody's lost more sports than Indianapolis. We've lost the big 10 championship game. We've lost a regional. We've lost like three swimming and diving championships, including the U S Olympic trials. We're going to lose the all-star game. And if we don't lose the all-star game itself, we're going to lose 15,000 fans in the building and, uh, you know, hundred thousand people coming to town to party. We're missing that for sure in the spring. So, I mean, we're losing everything. It's it's about time we get something back. I think this is only fair. One more thing about the high school gyms, and I wrote about them in my story. They are 84 feet, and in a pinch, they might need to get used. However, I think where they'll come into play and be really advantageous is that teams with really big aspirations, they might want to practice at Southport. They might want to practice the Newcastle gym and place it within an hour drive because they want to go to a big facility because they don't care, 84 feet, whatever. You're just shooting on a, on a basket. They want to be in a big facility with, with empty, with no crowd, and the sight lines are strange. And I think you're at an advantage practicing at Southport than you are practicing at, you know, I don't know, Burbuff. I've never been to Burbuff. I don't know how big the gym is. But, no, I have been to Burbuff. I take it back. Chatard. You don't want to go to Chatard because that's got to be a small place, I, I think. You ready to move on to Oladipo? Thank God. Uh, yes. Uh, I'll just tell you where I stand on it. Uh, I've been ready for the Pacers to move on from Oladipo for a while now. Um, I don't think him coming out and saying, I still love Indiana and championship in Indiana. I just don't want to be fooled again. I feel like we've already been down that road. Um, I do feel for Oladipo in a sense that uh, the Paul George stuff has made people hypersensitive here. But at the same time, where there's a tremendous amount of smoke, there's always fire. And there's been so much smoke around this Oladipo situation that I just – I, I just don't believe what he's trying to sell me. Um, so I'm ready for the Pacers to just kind of move on because I, I think he wants a max deal, and I don't think he's going to get it here. I'm not so sure he's going to get it anywhere, but I know he's not going to get it here. Yeah, Oladipo, I mean, he came out, and you know, there's one thing that says your commitment to a city is, is strong. It's when that commitment is questioned and you put out a statement through a third party. That's, that really speaks volumes. Um, listen, I, I don't know what's happened to Vic. I, I don't know. Um, Something's not right there. I and maybe it's always been not right, or maybe more likely the injury and the max contract, you know, vanishing before his eyes, changed him, sh- shook him, changed his foundation, something, because he put out a statement through 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 that guy. No, I'm sorry, he went on Twitter and put, posted a meme saying, "Pray for your enemies, um, no matter what they do to you." Like so, all of a sudden, he's now he's the victim. And then he then he has a quote in the paper, or at least he, he apparently he's just bought into a. Do you know about this? He bought into a pro basketball. Team. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's the quote. He was asked about. Well, what about back home? Everybody's upset. Blah 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 blah. He said, "It is what it is. It's over now. Emotions were felt. I have no will toward anybody. And here it comes. I love everyone. I pray for everyone. That's just the kind of guy I am. I mean, he 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 sounds more and more like Paul George every day, posting ridiculous biblical memes about his enemies." And saying he prays for everybody, that's just the kind of great guy that I am. I, I just, you know, I realize that we love our athletes in this town, uh, you know, and, and, and I try to. And I, when, when they're lovable, I love them too. And people in other places call me a homer sometimes because, you know, if I really like you, you know, Andrew Luck or, or, or T.Y. Hilton or whoever, I, you know, I really like you. And I'm going to write that. Um, but I, you know, Vic is something's wrong there, and I don't like it. I didn't like Paul George. And people got mad at me for saying it, but now we all see what he is. We all see what he is. Well, guess who was pretty much damn near first? Me. And guess who paid for it? Me. Well, it's happening again with Vic, and I'm not sure I'm first anymore. I think everybody's seeing it, but he's trying to win people back. And as you said, it's just not – 
it's just not right. It's not working. And I'm not going to worry about people getting mad at me. God knows that everybody's getting mad at me and you and everybody else for the last year over the pandemic, the election, this and that and the other yeah. thing. You got to be who you are. You got to say what you think. And what Vic is, has been doing and acting is not right. And I'm not going to say it's okay. Funny thing about that quote is, you know, where he says, well, and it's over now. And I'm thinking to myself, what's over? <laughs> we haven't resolved this situation at all. <laughs> this this yeah. is not over until either Victor Oladipo has a long-term contract with the Pacers or is somewhere else. Like, that. that's when this is over. Well, listen, he, and here's how it could happen. You know, if you remember, and I know you do, he wasn't going to play in Orlando in the restart. He wasn't going to do it. Mm. And it's important to always remember how he broke that news to the Pacers on Twitter through Sham Sharania. And Sham's is great, not his fault. But Victor chose to let the Pacers, who have been great to him, and his teammates and his coaches, when he was actually practicing with them every day at St. Vincent Center downtown, they found out on Twitter through Shams that he wasn't going to play. I mean, but once he realized, wait a minute, I can't get $3 million that are owed to me the rest of the contract. You know, if I opt out, but I don't really have COVID concerns, they're not going to pay me. Then he played. I, so the man changed his mind is my point. Well, maybe after all this, it's finally getting through to his head that you're not getting a max contract anywhere else. You're acting like a, like a you know, you're not acting like a winner right now. There's one market that loves you, kind of like Lance. Lance had one market that loved him, and he was wrong to leave. And we're never going to hear from him again soon. Vic, Vic's not in that situation. But he's got one market that really loves him and one GM, President Pritchard, that really loves him. And I think he might be realizing – the best money I'm going to get is right here. I think he might be serious about staying. It's just, it's amazing to me that, and I think you were there too. In late January, he had his comeback game against the Bulls and he comes in, he's sitting on the scores table. He's get, he gets a standing ovation. He hits the game winning shot. And you think to yourself, here's our guy, he's back. And you know, the, the, the peak of the Oladipo love was fewer than 12 months ago. I mean, it, it, it's not that long ago that he was still, the beloved figure in this town, especially in the wake of what happened with Andrew Luck, he was number one. And to see it all dissolve like this so quickly, it, it really is shocking to me. Yeah, and I was there that night. He hit the game-winning shot, and I wrote a 1,000-word or 1,500-word love letter to Vic and how, holy yeah. cow, is this, is this just perfect, the way this happened? And wow, 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 this is wonderful, and we love you, Vic. I mean, I wrote that. Um, and even when he was – um, deciding he didn't want to play in Orlando and releasing it through Shams, you know, there were some of us, including me, defended him. Like, hey, listen, there, my back off Vic. Maybe the Pacers are at fault for even wanting him to play on that, you know, quadriceps tendon. So it, no one's, my point is, no one's done this to him but himself. Like, it, you can't you can't go back and say, well, yeah, it all started when Dockage was being mean to him or, or when Doyle was being mean to him or when Query and Schultz. No, it didn't start with anything like that. It started with Victor acting weird. We all gave him a pass. And then he kept he kept acting weird, and now it's like, well, maybe that's not weird anymore. Maybe that's just who he is. Let's move on to the Colts. Um, Thank Thursday God. Night games, Thursday night games always are rough because the next week it feels like the game was a month ago. But, man, what a performance. And it what's been so crazy about this season, Greg, and you've even joked about the fact that there have been these wild swings, right, and, and you're reactionary and you want to you, – and fans are reactionary, right? Um, but just when you're kind of ready to write this team off, they always seem to come up with a performance like that. But I think what stuck out to me about Thursday night's game, and you tell me if you agree, this is the first time they did it in all three phases against a quality opponent. Because, look, the Bears and some of these other teams that they beat, most of the teams they've beaten are trash this year. But the Titans have flaws, certainly, but clearly are the best opponent. 
they've beaten so far and to beat them as handily as they did and respond the way that they did in the second half. You know, honestly, I thought they let points out there. If they were, if the Colts would have played a perfect game, they would have won that game by four touchdowns. Yeah, the Colts are – that was the team that um, we've either seen in flashes or thought we'd see, and we finally saw it. And and you've got to – you know, look, the NFL is full of pro athletes, and, and in theory – any given team on any given day, they can all click and they can just look great. I mean, in theory, I get that, but but when you're six and three and you've looked good enough to, to win most of your games, that sets you apart from the any given day something good can happen. And then when you're six and three and you do what you did to the Titans, that implies that you know you you've got something here and you're generally fairly close to to a high level. So it's not a big stretch to say, wow, at a really high level, this is what you can do. Do that again. We need to see that again. Um, but what we saw was, as you said, all three phases. Their, their defense was unbelievable. Their offense was not unbelievable, but very good. And special teams was awesome. You know that, and and that's and really none of that's a surprise. We've, I mean, the defense leading the league in everything. The special teams we've been high on all year, except for when you know Rodrigo missed a, missed a field goal earlier this year, which is he's allowed. He's like eighteen for twenty now, and the offense has been pretty good most of the time and it was a little better so there was no surprise it wasn't like yeah well they're not always going to do that I didn't see one thing that they can't do every week yeah it was nice to see them live to that potential now what you have to do is try to get some level of consistency so we don't have these wild swings and it's why I still don't view them as a contender because you know teams can do this sometimes they can look great they can look bad but you need to try to find a way to consistently be good to very good and the Colts have had trouble kind of finding that middle so far but Let's talk about some of the positives and, and some of the standouts. We've already mentioned um, Grover Stewart several times on the podcast, a big breakout season for him. But I was thrilled to see Michael Pittman get involved and go over the century mark receiving-wise because, man, did the Colts really need some help at wide receiver, especially with T.Y. Hilton, who was also productive on Thursday night. But T.Y. Hilton taking a, a bit of a step back from who we're used to seeing from T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, and, and Pittman is – I mean, he's a second-round pick for a reason. You don't look at that and think, well, that – you know, Zach Pascal. We're, we're over the point thinking Pascal's a fluke, right? But but when he first had a, a decent game or two, you're like, I, you know, I don't know if this is sustainable, Zach Pascal. Uh, but it, I mean, he's good. Pittman is – this is sustainable. You know, they drafted him in the second round because you can do this sort of thing, and, and it's not going to happen every single week, but he's capable of it. I mean, he's 6'4", 230, very fast, very strong, and really good hands. I mean, he is a prototypical – number one NFL receiver. And frankly, the Colts need a number one. They, they really, they really haven't even had a number two, uh, you know, a, 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 a great number two receiver is still a thousand yard candidate. You know, the number one receiver is going to get 13, 1400 yards. If you got one like that, the number two guy ought to be close to a thousand. Ought to be close. The Colts don't even have, a, they haven't had a, they haven't had one or two all year. They've had a whole <laughs> bunch of threes and fours. You know, it's like you look at pitching staffs, just because you're a number one pitcher in your staff doesn't mean you're an ace. You know, a lot of staffs on, on the bad teams have a whole bunch of guys that would be the number four pitcher on someone else's rotation, but he happens to be your quote, quote, ace. The Colts have had that at receivers. They've had a whole bunch of guys that are the number three receiver somewhere else. Well, Pittman stepping forward is a number two, maybe a number one. I mean, that, 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 help, that helps everybody. It's like T.Y. Hilton used to make everybody better, and he still helps a little bit when he's on the field. They still roll coverage to him, but Pittman can make everybody better if this is who he really is going to be. Are they the favorites down the AFC South with where we sit today? Well, you have to give it to them right now. I mean, if the season ended today, if all the games couldn't happen, it's going to be them and the Titans, and they've got the tiebreaker right yep. now. Are they the favorite? I mean, at this point, I think so, only because, and there's a big reason, not, this, is, this is not a small only, 
the Titans are slumping. They've I think they've won three the last four games. I don't know if that meant their first five when they're five and zero, whatever they were. I don't know if that means they played over their head, or maybe combination, or maybe you know with enough tape out there, teams can see what they do, and they're coming back to reality because now okay, we're going to game plan, and we can stop you. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but but the Colts are playing better recently, and Rivers is playing a lot better recently, and the Titans aren't. So clearly, the trend lines are yeah, the Colts are the better team right now. I mean, you got, you got to look at it that way. Yeah, and you kind of look at that schedule, and, it, and it's almost like remember three or four weeks ago we thought, oh god, you know, t- Tennessee twice and Green Bay, and and even Baltimore, who I know they already lost to, but you know, Baltimore has looked kind of shaky. Uh, that game in New England, I don't know what the heck that was. Green Bay almost lost to Jacksonville. Titans have lost three or four. Um, you know, it's starting to look like we know that the Colts are flawed, but these teams that we kind of crowned as these elite teams in the first half of the season or the first six weeks of the season are starting to show some flaws too. Like the, the only two teams to me that still are a cut above everybody else are Pittsburgh and Kansas city. Um, actually I should say Kansas city and Pittsburgh. Cause that's what I think the order is one, two. Um, but the rest of the league to me is, is kind of in that there's no reason why the Colts can't be among the, the top teams on that next tier with what we've seen so far. Yeah, I give you that, and I put Baltimore above the Colts, um, and I, I imagine you would Me too. too. I, I know yeah. the New England thing is weird, but that was a down downpour. And the bottom line is, if Lamar Jackson's on the field, unless they're playing Kansas City, and maybe Pittsburgh, but definitely Kansas City. If Lamar's on the field, that's the team that is going to favor to be win to win. So that's how it goes. Um, yeah, you and I talked about this four game stretch a few weeks ago, and I think we both said two and two would be great. Um, and two and two now looks like kind of the minimum. I mean, they they really kind of yeah. I mean, at this point, if you're one and one, nobody would say one and three would be great. I mean, two and two is where you got to be. Tennessee is coming here; they can win that game, of course. But yeah, Green Bay it's weird. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is nasty, but they barely won against Jacksonville. Yes, and and now the Colts are favored to win. The Vegas has the Colts at two and a half, I think. Wow. And and I don't think you get three points for being at home anymore. They you might get a point or two, but it can't be three with the, the crowd size. And the ESPN's computerized FPI or whatever, you know, they they give Green Bay a fifty four percent. So basically, they call it a toss up. So mm-hmm. the, you know, the betters and the computers think that this is a Colts game or a toss up. And if that's the case, then why not? We going to see Rondale Moore put on a Purdue uniform and actually play again. Wow, I, I, I think so. I do think so. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, if I had to bet money, if I had to bet money, I'd bet he's going to play. Jeff Brom said they expect him to play, and Rondell still shows up, and 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 now that he's kind of been called out by me um, nicely. You know, I didn't call him a selfish jerk or anything, but I just raised the point over the weekend that you know this has become the dominant Purdue storyline. Now, if they were undefeated, if they had beaten Northwestern over the weekend, their undefeated start would be the dominant storyline. But they're not undefeated, and. Uh, Rondell keeps showing up, you know, on game day, and they keep making an announcement two hours before kickoff, which implies he's a game time decision. And no one has said a word about an injury. And if he was game time last week, and one week later he's still game time, that really implies it's not about an injury. It's about does Rondell want to play or not? And I very nicely, I think nicely, kind of called him out and said, "What the hell's going on here?" And so he, and and I don't know why, but no one else has really done that yet in this state. So now that we've shined some light on that. I think now we're going to see. I mean, now he knows. People don't think this is okay, Rondale. It's not okay. Uh, either you play or you don't. I think we're going to see him play, and I think we're going to see him play soon. 
and I don't mean to sit here and take credit for it, but I just think that you know once you shine a light on somebody, they either do it or they don't. So it, it's going to happen. It's going to be soon, or it's not going to happen at all, and I suspect soon. Conspiracy theory, and you feel free to laugh this completely off. Purdue and Rondell Moore got together at the start of the season after he opted out, and they said, hey, why don't you opt in? You can still be part of the program, work out, do all of that. We'll cover you with the insurance, with the rehab and all of that stuff. But we want to at least give the illusion that teams have to prepare for you to be out there on the field. Any chance at all that that is plausible, even a little bit? I think there's only two. I think there's only two things that are plausible. That's one of them. I'd never thought of it that way. That's one of them. The other one is he's using Purdue and not telling them. Whether it's the insurance, he wants access to the gym, the weight room, he wants to run past patterns, you know, he wants to stay in shape. He's either using them and not telling them, or or Purdue is, you know, they're using each other. And I hope that's what it is. I, I hope that's what it is. That would be that'd be terrific if that's what it is. I it'd be hard to be mad. I mean, you couldn't be mad at anybody for that. It, it's almost a victimless crime. And I'm not sure that there's even a crime in there. It's it's Everybody, nobody wins, wins, but nobody loses. But right now what's happening, if, if he's just using Purdue, Purdue loses. Um, and if he's not using Purdue and just doesn't have the gumption to play, he loses. So I like your theory a whole lot. Yeah, I just have no idea what to think because Jeff Brom is impossible to read. Like I, you know, if it, if it was Tom Allen, I think we would know right away whether this was a Rondale decision or an Indiana decision or what was going on because he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve. Jeff Brom to me is just... He's really, really difficult to kind of get a read on. Did you notice what he said about Carlaptis? As I put in my story, he said, because uh, Carlaptis was kind of a game time, not not yeah. well. So I don't know what the injury is, but I forget, but he's hurt. Well, Brom said, you know, we thought he'd play. He came out there for the game and tried to give it a go. And we thought about him playing just on third down only to rush the passer. And he said, the thing I know about George is if he can move, he wants to play. And then you ask him about Rondale and he, Rondale Moore, and he says, well, we're hopeful he'll play. We're hopeful. He doesn't say Rondale wants to play and we're mm. holding him back and if he can move, he'll play. No, 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 it's different. Carlaptis, yeah. he makes Carlaptis sound like a warrior and he makes Rondale sound like a like a diva. Uh, he does. Like, it, well, we're hopeful he'll play. So, I, granted, you're right. It's not like Tom Allen wearing his heart in his sleeve, but you read between the lines there with Brom and it's pretty clear what he was saying, I think, which is why your conspiracy theory doesn't really make sense. Sure. Because if that's the case, if, if Purdue – if Moore has produced blessing to come out here and use us and, and, and we'll use we'll use the illusion of you, if that's what's happening, I think Braun would do a better job of, of not kind of suggesting, you know, this is all up to Rondell because that's kind of what he's suggesting right now. Yeah, that's why I threw it out there. Is conspiracy theories are what they are. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. I just threw it out there to see what you thought because a couple of people had brought that up to me as maybe a possibility. Uh, speaking of Tom Allen, let's talk about Indiana real quick. Uh, I was surprised. 20 and a half points. Look, Ohio State is the Death Star, but I, I thought 20 and a half points was uh, a big spread. Um, I thought that that was going to be around 16 and a half. I'm not expecting Indiana to win, Greg, but it's the ultimate money game, isn't it? When you're playing a team that nobody expects you to win and you're having this historic season. I I think Indiana is in a, a really, really good spot here, um, about as good a spot as they've ever been heading into a game against a team like Ohio State. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm looking at the last three scores because I remember IU kind of playing Ohio State fairly tough a couple times, and I'm looking at them, and, of course, last year was like 51 to 10 and not so much. The, the three games before that, 16, 17, and 18, they were all kind of three touchdown margins 
but I'm pretty sure in all three, IU was competitive for a while. Yeah, the floodgates opened late two years ago. The year that they opened the season against Ohio State, things got away from them, I think, like late third quarter. Um, there was also the Xander Diamant team that um, that Ohio State stopped them late from scoring a game-tying touchdown when Ohio State was number one in Bloomington, so that was a close game. But it's been uh, it's tough for me to think of other ones that were really close shaves. Yeah, you know what? In 2017, they opened the season. Okay, that's what year it was. Okay, and IU was leading at halftime, 14-13. Yeah. And then the second half happened, and it was 49-21 was over. So anyway, my point is, is that, yes, I'm surprised at the margin because IU has shown they can play within three touchdowns of Ohio State, and they're going to— Worse IU teams have shown that, right? Much worse, yeah, right. Yeah. And this Ohio State team looks to be really good. It's clearly the class of the Big Ten. If it's, I'm not sure if it's college football playoff good. It, it probably is, but, I, but I'm not sure yet. Um, this IU team is really good. They are. I think they absolutely deserve to be in the top ten or fifteen. They they deserve that. So I don't. I don't see a three touchdown margin. I don't. I mean, if, if I was betting money on that one, I'd take IU in the points for damn sure. And the I, Big Ten stinks this year, doesn't it? I mean, stinks. that's not Indiana's fault, but the Big Ten stinks. Yeah, Wisconsin, IU, and Ohio State. Those are your big three. I'm yeah. not sure if I'm am I leaving somebody out. Uh, you know, I, I think Iowa and Northwestern are okay. Northwestern, those, yeah, 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 yeah. I think those teams are pretty good. I mean, Northwestern, if I'm not mistaken, is in the top 25. So, um, but I, I don't think those teams are on uh, those the three that you mentioned's level. Um, yeah, IU's got Tom Allen has done a, I mean, obviously a very good job of recruiting. He's taken what Kevin Wilson, you know, Kevin Wilson took him from the basement to mediocre, and that's that's hard. Well, Allen's taking them to another level, and the recruiting is, is just getting better and better by the year. And and it's one of those games of attrition where it's you know it's a long game, and if, if by the third quarter you're you're you've got three or four guys who are kind of banged up and out or banged up and not quite what they normally are, if you're IU, you don't have anybody to replace them. I mean, you do, but they're not. They're, there's a huge drop off. Ohio State can just bring in four stars off the bench. So if, yeah. if the game goes a certain way and, and health is not a factor which is hard to do against Ohio State, but if health's not a factor, IU can hang with them. I mean, they've got explosion and. And yes, Penn State and Michigan are much worse than we thought. On the days IU won those games, and, and those were all breakthrough games, and holy cow, nobody had any idea how bad those teams actually are going to be. Um, it's not IU's fault, but anyway, they're a legit top 10 team, and if they play within a touchdown of Ohio State, I wouldn't be stunned at all. If they, and if they won, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be flabbergasted. Man, if they won, whew. I know, right? Be, we, we'd be in a whole new, I mean, Indiana in the driver's seat for the college football playoff and the Rose Bowl. I mean, my God, I, I, I can't even, I, I, it's hard for me to even comprehend, honestly. Um, you can check out Greg's work, IndyStar.com slash sports. He's got his own tab over there also on the IndyStar mobile app. Like, subscribe, all of that. Doyle and Derek podcast usually drops every, uh, well, t- Tuesday evening. Usually it's up, but Wednesday is when we like to kind of get out and, and really hammer it and promote it. So, Looking forward to the next one, Greg, and looking forward to the columns coming up this week. Thanks, Thanks buddy. my man. Stay safe.